This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down, end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And then we made it to Friday. And that's where we are, Raider Nation. It is Friday afternoon, 2.01 is the time here in sunny Las Vegas. And it sure is sunny, no doubt about it. We know that the heat's going to come through fast and furious, and we're excited about it to a certain extent. But, I mean, it's Friday. You can't get uh, too upset about that. It's so funny, man. It's just a different element when it's Friday around the building. You know I mean? You roll in. There's so many cars in the parking lot early in the morning. I got here about 8 o'clock this morning. Ton of cars. Then... I go out real quick, grab a quick lunch, come back. It's like a ghost town. <laughs> if it ain't Friday, if that's not screaming Friday, I don't know what is. But, boy, you can tell around here. It is Friday or in the, how they say in Las Vegas. And, Ari, I didn't know this until I got here. Friday. I didn't know that. How'd you see, you were already on it. Yes. Uh, you should see it in an hour and a half, by the way. Oh, you dog. It's I, know it's, I know it's all downhill Ooh. from here. Oh, yeah. I know it's all downhill from here. It is Friday, as the as the natives say it. And uh, it's so funny. The first time I heard that was on the news early in the morning. We made it to Friday. And I was like, wife, what, what, what did they just say? She said, oh, yeah, they definitely said Friday. I said, okay, gotcha. So here we go, man. Here we go. It is a Friday. We're excited. We have a lot of good guests coming up on the show. We're going to finish off this week really strong, head into the weekend, and make you do what you do. So I'm pumped up, coming off the heels of uh, JT the Brick, a fantastic show as always. And, of course, if you're not tuning in to JT the Brick on the daily, you should be, especially all summer long. It's going to be the summer of Cliff Branch as we all celebrate the great Cliff Branch, the late great Cliff Branch, going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame later on in August. Of course, we'll all be there in Canton, Ohio for the enshrinement. We'll be there for the Hall of Fame game. There's a lot going on that we're excited about, but uh, JT the Brick is doing the Summer of Cliff. Last year, it was the Summer of Tom Flores. Of course, Charles Woodson was sprinkled in there as well, but this summer, it's going to be the Summer of Cliff. It's a, it's a long overdue, um, you know, like honor. So we're excited to be able to celebrate that with Cliff Branch, his family. Uh, we've had Zachariah Branch, his nephew, on the show many times before. Uh, he's a USC commit. I did see he's taking a couple official visits this weekend. He's headed to Texas A&M. But, hey, look, if you're a young man that a lot of programs around the country want you, why don't you take your visits, right? I know he's a USC commit. His brother's already playing there at USC, so I have no doubt that he's going to be a Trojan. But, man, oh, man, why not go ahead and take your official visit and just say, hey, you know what? Let me just go ahead and check out and see what it's all about. Think about this, Ari, while we're talking about official visits. And I've only gone on one in my life, and it wasn't even mine. I went on one official visit, and that was my son's. And that's when he went to UTEP. He went to UTEP to, uh, you know, to, to go ahead and, like I said, take an official visit, check it out, see what it's all about. Did not ultimately end up going to UTEP. Now he's at Western Oregon right now and uh, just finished his first season there. His first year, his freshman year, did a really good job. But he did go check out you know, Western Oregon. And so I went or went and checked out UTEP. I went there with them. And man, the way they roll out the red carpet for you on your official visits. And I, I told them then, I said, I've never, ever in my life experienced this. I thought I was pretty good at pretty much everything I did when I was younger. That's just my mindset. But to know that there's a school that rolled out the carpet, gave you a plane ticket, gave your pops who was in Texas a plane ticket. I mean, he's coming from Fresno. I'm coming from Texas. 
they got you know multiple hotel rooms they got the whole shebang everything you know it's like you are the a1 dude right it's all about you and that we only experienced that once fantastic so i don't blame any of these young athletes that have opportunities to go on multiple official visits go go check it out enjoy it so zachariah branch he's on his uh, official visit this weekend to texas a&m and i know the college station is going to treat him right but i have no doubt about it that he's going to be a usc trojan that's just what it's all about, of course, earlier this week, we heard about Arch Manning, who's going to UT. I, I can only imagine what that NIL is like. See, that's the other good thing. When Little Q went on his official visit, they didn't have NIL. Boy, if they did, I'd have been like, look, coach. <laughs> you might not even be here right, right now. Well, hey, look, what you working with, coach? What you working with? You see this young man, his hair? Got to get him a head and shoulders deal. Got to get him some kind of, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Q-tip. If, Anything if, with if, the Q in it. Right. If Patrick Mahomes could have these kind of deals, why can't this young man? It's a good-looking kid. I probably would have talked him out of a deal. They'd be like, hey, man, you're cool. <laughs> oh, but your dad is yeah, kind of messing Your dad's a little overbearing. He's starting to, That's starting to feel. Too. Right. I'm starting <laughs> to feel a uh, little, uh, little uh, Papa Ball type, uh, type feelings here. <laughs> hey, make no mistake, though. You go that route. Oh, no. Oh, no, I'm not going that route. No, no. I, look, you can make all the jokes. He's he's kind of crazy, but no, like, no, he he's, really did go no, 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 for his kids. No, yeah, I yeah, no, 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 no. It's one thing to support your kids. It's another thing to go all the way, pop a ball on them. Don't do that. Take a step back, Pops. <laughs> Take guess, a step back. I guess my opinion simply is, like, if I had either that situation or nothing, like, just totally on my own, no no pop supportive, right. no support system. That makes sense. That's pretty cool. But I get it. I, I still say no. It's debatable. I still <laughs> say no, but I understand where you're coming from. I, I understand, but no, not for me. But that's neither here nor there. So the summer of Cliff will be going on here on Raider Nation Radio 920 all summer long leading into uh, Canton, Ohio, which will be at the early, the first week in August. And like I said, we will be there uh, in attendance for the game, not only on that Thursday against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but of course that weekend also uh, as Cliff Branch is enshrined forever in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Coming up on the show today, we have some really good guests to get to. Justin Mello from the Draft Network. He's going to join us to talk all things Number three wide receiver for the Raiders. He put out a really good piece on the Draft Network, and it's so funny. On Thursday, we talked about training camp battles, or we talked about that maybe on Wednesday. We talked about training camp battles. We talked about the backup quarterback position, right? We talked about you know the linebacker position, the corner. Who's gonna who's gonna step up and be the number one corner? Nobody mentioned who's gonna step up and be the number three wide receiver. We know number one and two. You got Devontae Adams. You got Hunter Renfro. But who else is gonna be the one? Demarcus Robinson, Keelan Cole. Mac Hollins or other who's it going to be. So Justin put out a really good piece on the draft network. So we'll, we'll talk to him coming up at two 30 at three o'clock. We'll have cover three NFL news and notes of the day. And, uh, former Raider linebacker, Ricky Brown, he was on the morning tailgate this morning. So we have a couple sound bites that I want you to hear from him. He's a guy that's on the Ohio state coaching staff right now. So he knows a little bit about Thayer Munford. Seventh round uh, offensive tackle out of uh, Ohio State. He also knows a lot about defense. So we'll talk. We'll talk to, or we won't talk to him. But you'll hear some sound bites that he had this morning with uh, Clay Baker and Vinny Bonsignor on the morning tailgate. It's only about three or four sound bites, but they're really good. He talks about Coach uh, Coach McDaniel's. Talks about Dave Ziegler, the GM. They're Ohio guys. He's in Ohio. I mean, there's there's a lot of things to like. So there's a there's a whole lot that he said in only a few sound bites. So you'll hear those in Cover Three coming up at three o'clock. Then at three thirty. AJ McCord will join the show. She's a sports broadcaster. She's an award-winning sports broadcaster. We'll talk to her all things about Title IX. 
We mentioned it a couple times throughout the course of the week. It is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and I know there's a lot of things going on in the country, and that's why you tune into sports to kind of get your mind away from things that are going on in the country. But we'll talk to her about Title IX, what it means for women's athletics, college, pros, sportscasters, women that talk sports. Title IX is a big deal. It really is. We had Kim Mulkey on the other day, and she was talking about uh, Title IX, but we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper dive with AJ about Title IX. Also, we'll talk some WNBA with her, and we'll get her thoughts on the NBA draft that was last night. And I'll tell you, Ari, I think the NBA draft is the hardest thing for me to figure out. I mean, it really is. And I don't mean by who's going to go first, second, third. It's just it's so confusing. I mean, literally, I can say – and right now, pick number 11, drafted by LV Sports Network, is Ari. And then by the time you pick up your hat, you're right. already traded to someone else. In a three-way trade. Right, exactly. It is so, I mean, it is the epitome of bananas, right? There's so many different scenarios. You literally have to watch it, soak it in, understand what you understand, go to bed, wake up, and see what's changed. Because everything has changed. That is the one draft where you're almost guaranteed multiple guys will be drafted by a certain team and never play for them. And I think my best example of that ever is Kobe Bryant. He wasn't drafted by the Lakers. There's a lot of fans that don't know that. He wasn't drafted by the Lakers. He was drafted by the Hornets. But he never played a second for Charlotte. And there's plenty, I mean, for the example, the Knicks pick, and I forget who he was. I know he's a young man from France, but they picked him, and when he got to... The stage where he was going to talk to uh, Alan Hahn, as we, I was listening to it on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, we had the whole broadcast, and I thought they did a great job with the broadcast. Alan Hahn already knew about the trade, right? He already knew he was on his way to OKC, and he didn't know how to say it to him because a young man's wearing the Knicks hat, and he said, well, there's reports out that, and I don't know if you know this, you know, he's like trying to tiptoe that you might not be actually playing in New York. And he goes, oh, no, I know. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Like he was, he was nervous because I mean, you don't want to be the one to break break it to a kid that hey, by the way, you got drafted by this team, you just got traded. You don't like, want to be that guy, and he doesn't know. That's right, you don't want to break that news to him. So he was really tiptoeing, and then it was so much better when he realized, okay, he already knows. But that's the, that's the, I mean, that's what it is. You know, it's like okay, they can get drafted by this guy or this team, and then all of a sudden, before they even put that hat on their head. And he walk across that stage and shake the commissioner's hand, they're already somewhere else. Shams or, uh, or Woj already. Yeah, changed. and that's what happened with that young man. Woj had yep. already put it out there that, hey, he's headed to OKC. Yeah. And I don't know what the hell the Knicks, and I know JT the Brick who came on before us, I know JT's a big Knicks fan. I don't know what the hell they're doing. If they're putting all their eggs in Jalen Brunson's basket, man, they, they're going to be another 20 years of struggling. They're consistent. Jalen Brunson's a damn good player, but Jalen Brunson's not going to take you to the promised land. I'm sorry. Jalen Brunson's not Luka, and Luka couldn't get the Mavs to the promised land. So what makes you think Jalen Brunson can get the Knicks to the promised land or even in the playoffs and make a run? Come on, man. The Knicks had an opportunity to do what the, 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 the Warriors have done, what the Grizzlies have done, and other teams have done, which is build through the draft. They had an opportunity to draft and develop, and they chose not to. They basically gave up all their picks and cleared salary cap space and said, oh, we're good. Because that works. Because that works. That hasn't worked for him for how many years? What do they think? Oh, something's going on with Kyrie in Brooklyn. Maybe he'll come across the bridge and play here. It's not going to work. It's a bad idea. But I'll tell you, I did watch the NBA draft last night. I was excited by it. Little Q texted me and said, 
I'll be there one day. And I said, we better get your ass in the gym. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, don't be, a, don't be on your phone texting me. You need to be in the gym. These cats don't, man, they don't just play during the game and practice. These guys are working their tail off all the time. So if that's, if that's your goal, you got to go out there and get it. So he said he out there in the gym working. So we'll see. But, I mean, hey, look, it's great to have, it's great to have a goal. I mean, if you don't have a goal in life, then that's your first problem. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's good to see those young men. And, look, we had someone right here from Coronado. You know, we had a young man from, from Coronado High School that finally got drafted. You know, didn't go to uh, college, ended up going to, uh, what, the G League Independent League or, or their, their little their team that they have and finally got drafted. And I forget what team. Was it the Mavericks that drafted? I think it was the Mavericks. Now I got to look. Dang it. I think it was. Before I say that it was for sure, let me make sure. I think it was the Mavericks that – are you looking it up or me looking it up? This is terrible radio. Yeah, yeah, as my mic's not it was, Yeah, it was the Mavericks. Traded for yeah. the 37th pick. Yeah, but Jaden Hardy. Yeah, Jaden Hardy did go to the Mavericks, though. Okay, that's that's, and he was a Coronado guy. So shout out to him. But I, I wanted to make sure that he went to the Mavericks before I said exactly where he went. Didn't want to mess that up. I probably should have had that in my notes, but it's okay. So that's cool. You know, so many different ways to get to the league. Sometimes you got to wait a little bit longer. Sometimes you get picked immediately. But uh, shout out to to uh, you know Jaden's family and sh- shout out to Jaden for being uh, you know being selected by the Mavs and he'll be playing in what a week or so, about two weeks at the most. Right here at the Thomas and Mack Center at Summer League. So excited about that. We'll be out there doing our shows live. We'll have tickets to that as well. We'll be giving out family four-packs of it. You want to talk about going out and seeing some fun basketball. Summer League is fun. It's when you get to see the stars before they're the stars. Some of them have expectations to be stars when they're there, but it's it's just different. One of my best memories of Summer League was John Wall. John Wall and Boogie Cousins, they both went to Summer League at the same time. And, of course, that they're, they were a big deal. But John Wall, he was still young, fresh out of Kentucky. He was doing his thing. And he came out there and he started doing his little Dougie, started dancing and everything, and everyone lost their mind. And I remember being there just as a fan, just watching. It was like, oh, that's John Wall. That's great. You know, and now he's a $46 million a year guy who stays at home. I mean, that dude made like 40-something million last year and stayed at home. It's incredible. I don't know where John Wall is going to play this year, but that's one of my best memories of Summer League, just remembering seeing him come out there, do his little Dougie, do his dance, you know, and everyone get all fired up, and you're up close and personal with these players. It's not like you're sitting in these big old huge arenas. You're at the Thomas and Mack Center. It's real intimate. You don't know who's going to be sitting next to you. It's just a good time out, so definitely uh, look forward to Summer League and giving out tickets to that. So we'll have A.J. McCord talk all things basically hoops and Title IX coming up at 3.30. At 4 o'clock, Ian Wharton from Bleacher Report. He actually has a piece out that I thought was really good. We're going to talk about it in the opening drive about trade bait and trade players that could be traded from the Raiders and players that the Raiders could trade for. But I'm not really even interested in the player that he has in this article for the Raiders to trade for. But there's other players that he thinks are available that I'd be really interested by uh, about, and I want to run that by you during the opening drive. So we'll have uh, Ian join the show coming up at 4 o'clock. And then at 4.30, we just added Taylor Bis... How do we say it again? Rashadi. <clears throat> I had it right to begin with. You told me I was wrong. Is that what you said a couple hours that ago? That was. And we- then you and then you corrected me, and so now I... Because you don't have to deal with me as much, and but I am horrendous with names, and sometimes I just assume... Or misspell names. But didn't names. you tell me that I was wrong? No, I told you that I, I How wrote... How did you tell me it was supposed to be said? I said, hey, I kind of wrote biscotti. Just my mind just went there yeah. like a the cookie. Right. 
which uh, it is not. Right. So at that moment, I. But how did you say her name? I don't know. I, no, tell me how you said. It. You just said it on the way in the studio. There, I know it wasn't. It wasn't the right. Come on, Ari. Bisciotti, I think. Yeah, I, I that's exactly. Yeah, because I just tried to say it like you. Yes, but Bisciotti, and I didn't think it was because I'm an NFL Network guy, ah. and so I was like, I don't never remember hearing them call her Taylor Bisciotti or Biscotti or sure. Biscotti. Or they probably she's probably heard that when she was a kid. Oh, I'm sure. So, so Taylor Bisciotti. Boom. So we finally got it. We're on the same page. Debunked. It only took us till 2.16 to get on the same page. She, to, she sent me the audio version. Did she really? so I could hear it. Yeah. Okay. We're sending you back on Monday. I'm telling you. <laughs> You're out of here, dude. <laughs> that is up there with my phone usage. I'm telling you, that's one of my, my worst things. Well, uh, she's, a really, she's a really good analyst on NFL Network, and she'll join us at 4.30. It was really, as you could tell, a late get for us. We didn't know that we were going to grab her, and she was going to be on the show, but she is. So 4.30, Taylor Bashati from the NFL Network will join us talk all things AFC West. So good stuff right there. Justin Mello, AJ McCord, Ian Wharton, and Taylor Bashati all on the show today. Now let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So I'm so intrigued by this this trade piece that Ian put out on Bleacher Report. Again, we'll talk to him at 4 o'clock. But he put out some players that other teams could go and try to trade for when it comes to the Raiders, and then he put out a couple players that the Raiders could look to trade for themselves. So I got I was really intrigued by this. And honestly, I'll tell you this. It wasn't even really the players that he picked for the Raiders to go make a move for that caught my eye. My eye went other directions, and I'll tell you about it in a minute. But I do want to get your feedback on this. The, the first potential trade that Ian had was the Packers getting Foster Moreau and the Raiders receiving a 2023 third-round pick. Now, he talks about the lack of weapons that the Packers have. We all know that Devontae Adams is no longer there. Their tight end that they had last year is coming off a a torn ACL. So they have some questions there. I, for one, don't think that Foster Moreau has done enough to receive a third-round pick in return. But to his point, Ian's point, he said that, well, the Raiders and Josh McDaniels probably want to run a two-tight end set and probably would like to have and keep Foster Moreau. So maybe they get a third-round pick in return to sweeten the deal. Now, I'll say this. Foster Moreau's going into the last year of his deal. So if he can, if, if the Raiders can find a way to, to flip him for a third-round pick, I would be okay with that. I really would. I, I would like to see him play with the Raiders this year. But if you can get a third-round pick in return for Foster Moreau, who, again, in my opinion, hasn't really done enough to receive a third-round pick, he had 30 catches last season for 373 yards. He has 10 total touchdowns in three seasons. That's not bad, but it's not screaming, I need a third-round pick for you. So that was interesting to me. So that was one of his trade proposals that the Packers go and get Raiders tight end, Foster Moreau, and the Raiders receive a 2023 third-round pick. So keep that in your mind. Another pick, another trade that he proposed, the Saints go and get running back Kenyon Drake, and the Raiders get a 2023 fifth-round pick. So according to Ian, that would be a third-round pick for Moreau and a fifth-round pick for Kenyon Drake. And we've talked about the running back room many times. A lot of people are wondering what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs. Is he going to get traded before the season? And I don't think that Josh Jacobs is going to be that guy, but I could see Kenyon Drake being that guy. The, raise, the reason that Ian says that the Saints should go after Kenyon Drake is because of Alvin Kamara. No one knows his future. Everyone remembers the, the arrest that he had when he was here in Las Vegas for the Pro Bowl. And so a lot of people are saying that he might be facing a six-game suspension, which I think is a little steep, a little steep for an arrest. 
Just saying. Now, who knows what Deshaun Watson's going to get? But I'll tell you this: for what Kenyon Drake or for what uh, for for what Alvin Kamara has been arrested for, I think six games is probably a little bit over the top. But we know that the NFL is very inconsistent when it comes to their punishments. So that's really the reason why he's saying that Kenyon Drake should be a, a trade candidate. And the only reason that I would be all for that one, we haven't really seen Kenyon Drake really shine. He really didn't get that opportunity. I mean, he was signed, given a nice a nice contract by Gruden and Mayock. And he never really was used to the way that we thought he was going to be used. And then he started to get used and he got injured. And then the Raiders restructured his contract. So to just cut him, it would be a lot of dead money. So I don't think that the Raiders want to do that. And they have a plethora of running backs in the running back stable right now. They've got a ton. And of course, the Raiders went out and made the, and selected Samir White and also Britton Brown uh, in the fourth and the seventh rounds in this past draft. So, of course, they have so many different guys that they can go to. They still have Josh Jacobs. So this one, to me, actually makes a lot of sense. I like Kenyon Drake. I'd like to see what he can do healthy, but I do like that trade. So that that trade proposal, the Saints getting Kenyon Drake and the Raiders getting a 2023 fifth-round pick, I'd be all for that one. So those are the two players that are currently on the Raiders that he thinks that teams could go get. And then he suggested the Raiders go out and get, and this one kind of confused me, Wide receiver Marvin Jones from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He said the Raiders get wide receiver Marvin Jones. The Jaguars get a 2023 fifth-round pick. So if the Raiders were to flip Kenyon Drake and get that 2023 fifth-round pick, maybe they send that pick to, to Jacksonville for Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is 32 years old. His cap hit's not big. The Raiders would just assume like $4.95 million. I just don't know if at 32 years old and a guy that's slowing down a little bit, that's the direction that the Raiders want to go with their third wide receiver. And, of course, we'll talk third wide receivers uh, and coming up in a few minutes. <laughs> right? We have, we have that. See how all this ties together? See, we kind of know what we're doing around here. Justin Mello is going to join the show coming up at 2.30 to talk about third wide receivers. And I'll ask him about Marvin Jones. But right now, Demarcus Robinson, Keelan Cole, Mac Hollins, those are all guys on the roster. Any of those guys may be able to fill that third wide receiver role. Do you really need to go out and make a trade for Marvin Jones, who is, again, 32 and slowing down? You saw him slow down a little bit last year in Jacksonville, and I know he was dealing with a rookie quarterback, or not a rookie quarterback, but, it, yeah, he was a rookie. Trevor Lawrence was a rookie last year, wasn't he? Yeah, man, it, these years go by so fast that you just have no idea. But, yeah, he was a rookie last year. I don't know if he's going to be the dude or not, but we know he's a young quarterback. So there's that. So that's the proposal that that uh, Ian has for the Raiders, getting wide receiver Marvin Jones and sending back a 2023 fifth-round pick. I'm not really interested in that, and I'll tell you why. There's other guys on this that I'm very interested in. One, and I'm going to tell you about him right now, I'm not as high interested on him because there's so many question marks around him, but I can see where the Raiders could use him if he's, if he's on point, and that's – Offensive tackle Makai Becton from the Jets. And in this proposal, he has the Chargers going out and getting Makai Becton and the Jets receiving a 2023 second and fourth round pick, which is a little rich for a guy with question marks, right? He's got question marks. Make no mistake about it. He is, is, is a question mark is can he stay healthy? He missed all 2021. Can he keep his weight down? You know, there was a point where they said he was up to 400 pounds. Now he's... Down below 300 is what they say, but that's a hell of a gap. How do you go up to 400 pounds and then get down below 300? That, that would concern me. 
So I don't know if I'd be willing to give up a 2023 second and fourth round pick for a guy that I got questions about. And I think Makai Becton definitely brings you some questions. But when I look at the Raiders roster and I look at the offensive line, I say, you know what? They, I think, need some help, some more competition. And if he can go in there and provide that, and he ends up holding it down at the right tackle position, and then you kick in Alex Leatherwood, the right guard, maybe you're onto something. As a matter of fact, that's what he said. He said the Chargers have a gaping hole at right tackle and would benefit from adding a cost control player on a rookie deal. So, again, that's the reasoning why, but does, is Makai Becton really the guy? Is he going to be that guy, is, or is he just going to be a guy? That's the biggest question. This one I like the most. This trade proposal. Raider Nation, just hear me out here. We've been talking about Indomitian Sue, right? We've been talking about the interior of the defensive line. We've been talking about collapsing the pocket and letting Max Crosby and Chandler Jones eat. How about Jerron Payne from Washington? How, how about that? And this is why I'm intrigued by him. He's still a young dude. He's only 25 years old. Since joining Washington, he's had 14 and a half sacks and 227 tackles in four seasons from the interior. And the thing about what Jerron Payne is doing in Washington, it's not real sexy because he has other guys around him like Jonathan Allen, Allen, like Chase Young, that have the bigger names that are out there doing some big things. So you don't really pay attention to what Jerron Payne's doing. But, man, that could be a good pickup for the Silver and Black, not just for this year, but for multiple years. So when you're looking at Sue and saying, hey, this guy could really come in and help benefit right now, so could Payne, but he could do it for longer. Now, he's going to be looking for a contract extension, and, and here's the big thing. Here's the sticking point. In this trade proposal, he said the Lions get Deron Payne, the Commanders get defensive tackle Michael Brockers, 2023 second-round pick. So, obviously, you got to give up a little bit more to go get this guy. So, I'm thinking, okay, so what would the Raiders have to give up? Jonathan Hankins? If we're, if we're, if we're just, you know, a position for a position, Jonathan Hankins in a, in a second-round pick? I might be okay with that. But that one, to me, is probably the best trade possible out there as far as player. Again, he didn't make this proposal for the Raiders, but I'm just going ahead and taking this name. Deron Payne really intrigues me in a major way. I got a couple more I got to get to real quick. How about Dolphins safety Eric Rowe? That's a guy that's a potential. Steelers cornerback Bradley Roby. Or the Steelers Saints Cornerback Bradley Roby, but he was ta- his his proposal was going to um, was going to the Steelers and the Titans have the Dolphins have Eric Rowe. Yeah, there you go. The Dolphins have Eric Rowe and the Saints have Bradley Roby, but obviously they'd be switching uh, positions. So uh, those two guys intrigue me as well. So we'll get back to this conversation. I want to pick your brain on it and, and and get your thoughts on who you would trade for if you would make a trade. If any of those names intrigue you, but before we do that. We definitely got to go to our next guest, Justin Mello from the Draft Network. He's going to talk about the third wide receiver on the Raiders. We know about Devontae Adams. We know about Hunter Renfro. Who's up next? We'll talk about it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. The uncertainty of what to expect and uh, the level of competition and just seeing if uh, you belong. You know, just that unexpected things to happen at camp and things like that. Knowing that, you know, it was competitive and, uh, you know, it could happen to you any day. You could be there one day and could be gone the next. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. That was former Raiders tight end Andrew Glover. He joined Unnecessary Roughness on Thursday to talk about all things silver and black, including the very first time he went to camp back in 91 as a 10th round pick out of Grambling. And he found his way once he got into the end zone. When he found the end zone, he's like, yeah, I'm good. This is where I belong. In the first segment of the show today, we were talking about potential drafts for the Silver and Black, and we'll definitely get back to that conversation. It was a really good article that I was reading and uh, throwing some names out there. We've already got some good response on that. But right now, how about we talk about who's going to be the third wide receiver for the Raiders? And to help us do that, Justin Mello from the Draft Network joins the show. And Justin, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. You put out a really good piece on the Draft Network and really got the got the wheels spinning in my in my head. And I know that there's, you know, guys like uh, uh, Demarcus Robinson. I know there's guys like uh, Keelan Cole. I know Mac Hollins is there. Brian Edwards used to be in the mix, but the Raiders traded him to Atlanta. When they made that trade, what were you thinking about the former third-round pick? About Brian Edwards specifically? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I just assume that, you know, general manager Dave Ziegler and head coach Josh McDaniel didn't really see him as a fit, right, for, for not only their offense, but perhaps for the culture that they're trying to establish there uh, uh, in Vegas. It's very common when a new, you know, general manager and head coach comes in, they may take a look at the state of the roster and, and sort of start determining uh, which players they see as a long-term fit and maybe which ones that they, they don't see a future with. So obviously they went ahead and they moved on from Brian Edwards. I personally thought it was a curious move. I really like Edwards as a player, like him as a receiver. I think he's going to a great situation in Atlanta where he's going to have a chance uh, to start in that offense, you know, opposite Drake London. So I was certainly surprised when they made that move, but it certainly signaled to me that that Ziegler and McDaniel don't really see him as a fit for their offense. Yeah, he was a guy that a lot of Raider Nation was pretty upset about when they made that trade just because we all kind of looked and said, yeah, I think he's got potential, but it just didn't pop enough, you know? And so everything that you just said makes a lot of sense for a new regime coming in. Just, ah, uh, we haven't seen enough from this guy. Maybe we'll move on and go get some veterans. So veterans they went and got, Demarcus Robinson, Matt Collins, Keelan Cole, they're all in the mix for that third wide receiver. And in the segment before you came on, we were even talking about uh, the potential of the Raiders trading for a wide receiver. And I'll get to that in a, in a minute. But as far as Mac Hollins goes, he's a guy that we know he's a special teamer. He's a special team ace. He actually made a big time catch against the Raiders just a year or two ago uh, at Allegiant Stadium. What do you see from Mac Hollins? Where do you think he fits into the mix? Yeah, the thing about Mac Hollins is you're, you're talking about a lot of sort of untapped potential in a sense, right? Uh, in Miami last year, you know, he recorded just 14 receptions. Four of them went for touchdowns, right? Which I thought was a, right. a staggering statistic. Now, it's important to keep in mind that that was a bit of a broken offense, you know, in Miami last year. Things didn't really obviously go their way. They had a couple injuries at quarterback. Tua was banged up, missed several games. It certainly wasn't a high-octane passing attack, right, by any stretch of the imagination. And plus, you had Jalen Waddle there, who, who set the uh, you know rookie receiving record, right, for the most receptions by a first-year receiver. Receiver. So wasn't a whole lot of targets to go around in a passing offense that struggled. That's partially why maybe Hollins uh, wasn't more involved than he was. But when you look at the situation with him, just 56 career catches mm -hmm. for Hollins, right? So this is a guy that's kind of struggled to get involved wherever he's been. He's been an excellent special teams player. That's sort of been his calling card and, and as sort of a path to the field uh, for him. Um, it, it is going to be interesting to me to see we lose him? Oh, man. He's right in the middle of a good sentence about Mac Hollins. Did we lose him? 
All right, my man Ari's checking. He was on a good sentence right there about Matt Collins, and I think his special teams, uh, the way he's able to be a special teams ace, might really help him earn that spot. So we're going to effort to get uh, Justin back on the phone lines. Again, want to talk about Matt Collins, want to talk about Demarcus Robinson, and also Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole, if you remember, he was the guy that he was signed in the day that it became official. I remember tweeting out the email from the Raiders that, okay, Keelan Cole is officially a Raider. About three minutes after it, it felt like all of a sudden – that's when uh, that's when uh, Brian Edwards was traded to the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, obviously there's a there's there's some competition there. Can can the Raiders you know find their guy, their third wide receiver in the mix? Uh, they potentially can. They have all veterans in that spot. And as uh, as we were hearing from Justin, that Matt Collins is probably the least experienced of the three. But because he has because he has that special teams ability, he might have a leg up on all these guys. I think Demarcus Robinson has a lot of speed. I think Keelan Cole is sneaky fast, and he has some really good hands. He obviously has the – he's the veteran of the group. I mean, the real veteran of the group. He runs some really good routes. He also has some really good hands. And, again, if you go back and kind of look at his numbers, I mean, I think he averaged about 17 yards a catch. So that's also something to pay attention to when you're looking at Keelan Cole. And then, of course, I want to ask him, uh, you know, about the trade possibility, if there's, a, if there's a trade out there that he's looking at. So we'll get to that as soon as we get him back, and I do believe that we're getting him right now. So in a, just a second, we'll hear from Justin Mello from the Draft Network, who has his piece out on the draftnetwork.com right now about the third wide receiver. And, Justin, you were talking about Mac Hollins and his potential, so, and, we, and then we lost you. So go ahead and pick up where you were with, uh, with Mac Hollins. Yeah, you know, this is a guy who, who has struggled to get involved, right, in the passing game throughout his career. Just 56 career receptions. You know, he had 14 last year in Miami, four of them which went for touchdowns, which I thought was a staggering statistic. Uh, quite the batting percentage there, right, for Max Collins in Miami. It's important to note um, that that was a bit of a broken passing offense in Miami last season. They had injuries at the quarterback position with Tua. Uh, that certainly no one was going to describe that as a high-octane passing attack. Of course, they had Jalen Waddle, who set the, the single-season all-time record by, for the most receptions by a rookie receiver. So Hollins wasn't really involved in that offense. The change of scenery here for him in Vegas, a chance for him to get more involved. And he's certainly a, a different player uh, than Keelan Cole, right? Has a bit more dynamic vertical ability, can stretch the field. And this will ultimately come down to what Josh McDaniels is looking for out of this spot. He's looking for a bit of a more balanced offense. Collins could be an intriguing choice because he's a guy, again, that offers you a different skill set, certainly from what you have in Akeelan Cole and obviously a Hunter Renfro who does his best work underneath the coverage. So those things, having Hollins on the field could maybe open things up, right, for, for guys like Adams and Renfro, whereas I think Cole is certainly a more uh, reliable receiver, certainly more nuanced, a lot more production. He's got about 120 more career catches, right, than, than <laughs> right. Matt Collins does. And he's, you know, he's recorded 700 receiving yards. He's recorded 650 receiving yards. So certainly a more proven player, but a different player altogether. So I'm really excited to see how that battle ends up playing out there in Vegas. How much can Hollins and the fact that he is a special teams guy, that he can cut his teeth with the special teams unit, how much will that, do you think, help in training camp? Well, I think it certainly, it probably guarantees that he's going to make the roster, which is certainly helpful for him as a guy that's, you know, bounced around the league a little bit as a journeyman. I don't know how much it helps him in the battle to be the, the you know, the starting right. receiver opposite Devontae. And that's one thing that's important to note here, in a sense, is yes, this is the number three receiver in terms of targets. 
But by a traditional sense, it's almost the number two receiver. It's going to be the guy that starts opposite Devontae Adams on the boundary, mm, right, with yeah. Hunter Renfro being a slot-only player. So I think that's important to note because whoever wins this battle – the chances are, and I, and I mean high chances, they're going to be on the field with terrific consistency, right? Because you're, you're, you're going to obviously consi- yeah. you know, consistently roll out a number two guy on the boundary there. So at the same time, it's going to be the, the fourth guy in the pecking order. Wow. Right for targets, yeah. right? Because Darren, of course, Darren Waller comes into play at tight end, Hunter Renfro, and obviously Devontae Adams. Those three players are going to get more targets uh, than whoever this, uh, you know, quote unquote number three receiver is. Uh, but it also is a terrific opportunity for them because I don't know how much attention they're going to command from opposing secondaries. Man, you bring right? up, yeah, you bring up a great point. That's awesome. Again, we're talking with Justin Mello from the Draft Network, talking about the number three wide receiver. And as Justin just pointed out, he's going to be on the field a lot. So if you think about Demarcus Robinson and Keelan Cole, again, you mentioned that Keelan Cole has the experience. He's got the skins on the wall as far as the catches. But Demarcus Robinson, I feel like, has a lot of speed, a lot more speed. But Keelan Cole also is a little sneaky fast. So which one of those two guys do you think has the the upper hand? I would give that to Keelan Cole. I mean, uh, personally, you know, this whole article that we're discussing that I had written for the Draft Network uh, was, you know, was kind of a result of a report that we read, uh, you know, that we were all familiar with via The Athletic which insinuated that Marcus Robinson has sort of fallen behind in the pecking order via what was witnessed at organized you know, team activities, OTAs, and whatnot. And, I, and even from my own personal evaluation, I would certainly give the upper hand to Keelan Cole personally. I think the thing that I keep coming back to on Demarcus Robinson is that if it was going to happen for him, I certainly question why it didn't happen in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Right? That was a situation where uh, I, I don't think you could ask to play alongside a better quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, and, right. and even to and even to an extent, it's not like they were you know straddled with terrific depth there at the pass cat, at the pass cat, uh, sorry pass catching positions. Right for for years, we've been discussing how they had a lack of talent or a lack of depth behind Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Right, and there's always been whispers that they were going to go out and acquire uh, a receiver to play opposite those guys. Right, so the fact that it didn't happen for Demarcus Robinson in Kansas City. Uh, certainly raises a bit of a red flag for me because it was always, you know, you had him there, you had uh, Byron Pringle, uh, you had Nico Hardman, who's still there, right? And those guys were always kind of battling to see who was going to be third in the pecking order behind Kelsey and Hill. So for me, it's, it's, it's a bit questionable why it didn't happen for him there. With Ras Keelan Cole, you know, he certainly benefited from some less than desirable situations, right? If we're being honest, he played on some really bad Jacksonville teams that didn't have a lot of talent at receiver, were constantly behind the numbers and, and forced to throw the football a lot while playing catch-up. So Cole certainly benefited in that aspect of it. Uh, but he, numbers are numbers, right? Men lie, women lie, numbers don't, right? It's an right. old saying that we, that we can point back to. And Cole sort of has more of a proven production, proven pedigree. So it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. But I would think that Cole uh, has the slight inside edge as of now. Again, we're talking with Justin Mello from the Draft Network here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And Justin, we just got a couple more questions for you. We were talking about trades before you came on. And uh, the, one of the trades that was suggested was Marvin Jones from Jacksonville to be this guy that we're talking about that number three wide receiver he's 32 he's slowed down but he's also dealt with some issues when it comes to quarterback play even with Trevor Lawrence last year what do you think about Marvin Jones do you think that the Raiders need to make a trade for a guy like that or or can one of these three be that guy 
Yeah, two things I would say I would say to that. I would be slightly surprised if Jacksonville would even be willing to move on from Marvin Jones. Mm. I know you've got a new head coach there in Doug Peterson, and they've brought in a couple of receivers this offseason, right? Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, yep. and even a, a tight end uh, who really is more of a receiver in Evan Ingram. Uh, but it's important to note you still got the same general manager there in Trent Bulky, who originally acquired Marvin Jones. And I think they really liked the chemistry he showed alongside Trevor Lawrence last year. Now, they lost DJ Chark this offseason. I know Chark didn't really factor in, uh, you know, last year due to injury, but they, they lost a guy there. And I, I think they really like the veteran leadership that Jones brings, especially when you, when you take into account that Trevor Lawrence is still a young quarterback that's acclimating to the pro game. I like it. I like Excuse it. Excuse me. Yeah, no and, worries. And, and, and uh, to address your the second part of that question there, I would be surprised if the Raiders made a drastic move at this position. Now, it's not to say they won't, of course, playing in a loaded AFC West uh, you know, division that's going to be an arms race all year long. Uh, you can almost never get too aggressive, right, when you sort of start analyzing what your competition is going to be. But I would ultimately think they're going to be very comfortable with their top three pass-catching options, as they should. I mean, Devontae Adams is, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the NFL. Oh. They paid a high price to acquire him, and certainly that you know the contract they gave him also reflects uh, their belief in him. Hunter Renfro, the extension that he just signed, clearly shows uh, the faith that they have in him, even though, you know, he wasn't selected by this current regime. Uh, you look at a guy like Josh McDaniels, the head coach, who's had a lot of success with similar players, right? You look at what he did with Wes Welker and Julian Edelman uh, previously in New England. There's no doubt that McDaniels understands the importance of, of utilizing a high-level slot receiver such as Renfro. And then Darren Waller is one of the premier pass-catching tight ends in the league, and I believe they'll soon get an extension done with him. Right, attention probably turns to his contract uh, and addressing his uh, his long term situation. So, with those three pass catchers, I think they're probably going to feel fairly comfortable with them. Uh, they moved on from Brian Edwards, as we discussed earlier. I, I think the Marcus Robinson, Keelan Cole, and Matt Collins are all NFL level level players. They're all rosterable players, and I think all three of them will probably end up making that final roster, and they'll continue battling uh, for this wide receiver three position all throughout training camp and the preseason. His piece is called Who Should Be the Raiders Wide Receiver 3. It's on the draftnetwork.com. His name is Justin Mello, and he's joining us here on Unnecessary Roughness. Thank you so much for your time, Justin. We appreciate you. You got anything else that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, no, the pleasure was all mine. Uh, draftnetwork.com, as, as you mentioned, uh, four articles a day covering all nice. 32 NFL teams, uh, college football, the NFL draft. I do an NFL draft interview series with the draft class uh, every year. It was sort of my uh, – Claim the fame, if you will. Last year, <laughs> interviewed about 120 players that were drafted, nice. including the number one and number two overall picks, Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. So if you love draft coverage and the draft network's the place to be. No doubt about it. Great work. Thank you. And that was a great piece that you put out. We appreciate your time this afternoon, my man. The pleasure was all mine, Q. Take care. All right. There he goes. Justin Mello from the Draft Network. Again, his piece, Who Should Be the Raiders Wide Receiver Number 3? Uh, TheDraftNetwork.com is where you can find it. Really good work that they do there. And that's a lot of interviews that he did. 
leading up to the draft, and he really broke it down right there. So Marvin Jones, he's kind of crossing off his list, and he gave a case right there for really Keelan Cole and Mac Hollins. Demarcus Robinson, as of late, kind of sounds like a guy who may be on the outside looking in. 247 is the time. What are your thoughts, Raider Nation? Hit us up, 702-365-9200. Also coming up, we're going to get back to the trade talk conversation that I had. Lots of good uh, possibilities that I've already cooked up in my head, and we'll talk about it next, but we want to hear from you. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Even though I don't know anything either, I'm with George Kittle when he says he could see a deal getting done before the start of the season. What other great option is there for Debo Samuel other than to get a deal that would make him one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league and put him in line with some of the other big wide receiver deals that have gotten done this offseason? Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Had a really good conversation with Justin Mello from the Draft Network in the last segment. Talking about the Raiders' third wide receiver and who that could potentially be. Obviously, we'll find that out during training camp. Coming up at uh, 3.30, we'll have A.J. McCord, uh, award-winning sports broadcaster. She's going to talk Title IX. She's going to talk about the WNBA, women's sports, where it's where it's at, where it was, where it needs to go. She'll do that coming up at 3.30. You just heard right there from Adam Schefter talking about the Debo Samuel trade or a potential Debo Samuel trade, which is so funny because it was demanded, and then it's like crickets. <laughs> You know, so you think that something's going to happen at some point, but there's really been nothing to it. And San Francisco's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to do anything. We're good. So maybe that's just the way to handle it. But I had a really good conversation before we started talking to Justin about potential trades. And it's so funny because I was reading this piece that uh, Ian Wharton put out from Bleacher Report, and he's going to join the show at 4 o'clock to talk about it. But there's so many different players out there that could be potentials that the Raiders go and look for or other teams look at the Raiders and say, hey, we could use that guy. And he mentioned Foster Moreau being one that the Packers could go get. He also mentioned that uh, the Saints could go get Kenyon Drake. And both of those guys, I could see them I could see them being moved. I really could. If you can get a third-round pick like he suggested for, for Foster Moreau going into the last year of his deal, why not? You can get a fifth-round pick for uh, Kenyon Drake going into the last year of his deal, why not? I think that would be okay, especially when you have a plethora of running backs like the Raiders do. And then there were so many different names – that I was intrigued by. He mentioned Marvin Jones, wide receiver from Jacksonville. I wasn't really that high on him. I think Demarcus Robinson, Keelan Cole, Mac Hollins, I think one of those guys could do a good enough job to fill that third wide receiver role. So that wasn't really a priority for me. But there's other names like offensive tackle Makai Becton, defensive tackle Deron Payne, safety Eric Rowe, cornerback Bradley Roby. I think the two that I like the most are defensive tackle Deron Payne and cornerback Bradley Roby. And the thing I really like about Roby, listen to this description. Roby is sticky in man coverage and can play outside or in the slot. That's all I need to hear. Because we talk about the Raiders and their cornerback position and that they, they're going to probably do more press coverage than anything. So when you hear a description, Roby is sticky in man coverage and can play outside or in the slot. I'm okay with that. He's 30 years old, so he's a little bit older. Traded to New Orleans last year, reworked his contract in the offseason to stay with the Saints. His cap hit in 2022, $1.765 million. That's pennies. Not for me and you, but that's pennies, you know, for the team. That's nothing. So if you can get a guy like that, why not? I like that. Got a couple texts and a tweet that I want to get to. And, of course, you can always hit us up on uh, the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200 if you want to chime in. And we got plenty of open time. 
We got cover three coming up at the top of the hour, but don't worry. We can still get your calls in. Aaron hit us up on Twitter at your boy Q254 and at R&R 920 AM. I like Makai, the, the Makai Becton trade, but I still have PTSD about Trent Brown. Totally understood. Totally understood. And then he said, I like the Bradley Roby trade that could be a solid veteran to help the young secondary, similar to Casey Hayward last year. I do like the Bradley Roby trade. Again, the two that I like the most are Bradley Roby and Jerome Payne. We've been talking about Sue at that interior position and how he could be a, a dominant force, and it all depends on what the money is looking like. Well, look, Jerome Payne's going to want a contract extension, but they could probably give him a contract extension next year. I've mentioned it before. They have 40 guys right now currently on the roster with one-year deals. So they can, they can get the, the, the cap space to make sure they take care of the guys that they need to take care of. I would definitely be all aboard on Jerome Payne. But to Aaron's point, Bradley Roby, he could be very well that Casey Hayward type that we saw just a year ago. So I, I like that a lot. Thank you, Aaron, for that, uh, that tweet. I definitely appreciate hearing from you. Uh, also, got a text from Ray Raider. How's it going, Q? I think Robinson will be the third wide receiver. He's going to step up as well but can't stop the three-headed dogs. Shout out to my son, Ray Jr. His eighth birthday is this Sunday. We're going to Vegas. Let's shock the world. Go Raiders. So Ray Jr., eight years old. Happy birthday to you, my man. And even at eight years old, you can't do like my dad did. Take me to a professional makeup artist and and, and make you look older. That ain't going to fly for an eight-year-old, but enjoy your time. Enjoy your time here in Vegas. Uh, happy birthday. Celebrate that birthday to the best of your ability, and you'll have a, a really good time. I'm sure about that. And uh, I'm okay with what you're talking about, man. Demarcus Robinson could be that guy. He was actually the guy I expected immediately. But from everything that I've been reading, and, I mean, you know, we saw what we saw at Mandatory Minicamp, but did we see a whole lot? Nah, not really. You know, if I told you that we saw a ton and I had a great review of everything I saw, I'd be lying to you. And I got way more respect for him than that, so I'm not going to do that. So uh, when training camp opens, and we know the veterans re- report on the 20th, we'll start to see how that room shakes out. But Demarcus Robinson very well could be the guy. As we talked to Justin Mello from Draft Network, he thinks Keelan Cole is going to be the guy. But I'll tell you, Mac Hollins, watch out for him. He, he, he has a sneaky good opportunity to be there because he does special teams. So that almost makes sure, like Justin said, that he's going to be on the team. If he can go out there and show a little something-something during training camp, he might be able to carve a little bit of a niche for himself. And, of course, he's not going to get a lot of attention defensively because you got Waller, you've got Adams, you've got Renfro. If you're going to pay attention to some cats on the field, who are you going to pay attention to, Mac Hollins or those three? Just saying. 258 is the time. We'll come back. We'll take your call, 702-365-9200. We'll get to cover three as well. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.